sorry, sorry, I just got carried away there for a second. Well, good morning. My name is Bill Walker. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Church. I am so glad you are with us for this series in particular. We are starting today, and we'll go over the next five weeks together, doing the series called, and say it with me, I... Ah, that's not bad. My goal is by the time we're done with these five weeks that you will say that so loud and clear that you'll actually blow me back off my feet. I love Sundays because we're going to talk about how Sunday is actually a remarkable gift given to us by a God who knows us only too well. And I also want to encourage you to step into a biblical community if you're not used to doing so. This is important as we talk about I Love Sundays. Worship's a big part of that. But we do have this thing called small groups. In the small groups, we will get together and we will, we will ask the hard questions. There's going to be a number of questions that you're going to have after I'm done speaking this morning. And the place to get those answered is in these smaller groups. And I'll actually highlight a few places where you could ask some questions. Uh, if you do not have a small group, uh, I do have a group that will be meeting right after this worship service at about 12.30. It will be in through the school's entrance at the other end of the long building. And as soon as you step into the lobby of the school, to your right is a room called the Fireside Room. There's about a dozen people already signed up for this group. Uh, I think we've got enough food. You know, I'll do one of those Jesus things where I'll hold it up, bless it, break it, and pray that it multiplies around and we all eat. So there's something there for everyone. Uh, we have food and drink and, 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 and a hopefully a good time of hanging out together. We have childcare as well. So all that to say, there's no excuse not to be able to connect into biblical community, and I want to give you that as part of this series as well. We are talking about how to make Sunday the absolute best day of your week. I mean the kind of a thing where you're waiting all week just to get to Sunday. That may not be your heart right now, but I pray that that will become your heart. I love this. Secular sociologists over the last 20 years have studied this thing called church. And those who they found to be connected in regular worship, this is what they discovered to be distinctly unique about the lives of those who love Sundays. Number one is this. They have discovered that those who connect regularly for worship live seven and a half years longer than those who don't. Oh my gosh, seven and a half years. I mean, you, we go to doctors, we run around trying to do our diet. Just show up to worship, you'll live longer. That's what that means, you know? So that's part of the deal. Uh, something else they discovered is this, that you are 56% more likely to have an optimistic outlook on life than those who don't normally connect to worship. I think that's very true. Uh, another thing is this, you are 27% less likely to be depressed. That's pretty cool. Here's another one, you are 35% less likely to get divorced if you are consistently connecting into worship. In fact, it goes on to say this, you will have higher than average levels of commitment to each other, higher levels of marital satisfaction, less <clears throat> thinking and talking about divorce, and lower levels of negative interactions. That's what they've discovered in studying this over many, many years. One other thing they discovered, or some other things, is this. Those who connect regularly in worship achieve better grades, practice better time management, and experience better sex lives. So all the way around, why is it that you would not want to say, I love Sundays? 
it's good and gooder and better all the way along. So we're going to be investigating why. Why is it that Sundays have such a remarkable quality of life change in those who are committed to this kind of a thing? Today, we're going to focus in on this, the fact that Sundays can surprise you. And what I'm going to do in the next few moments that we're together is I'm going to go to the root of the reason why those who are committed to making Sundays the best day of their week have a remarkably different quality of life. And it comes back to the roots of something called Sabbath. Sabbath. We're going to talk about that in just a minute, but before we do, I want to invite you to bow your heads with me. Let's ask Father to speak to his children. Father, thank you. Uh, for the opportunity to gather together uh, today. I love Sundays, Father. I love worship. I love the people of God. I love learning more about Jesus. I love these people. Father, thank you for the privilege that's ours to connect and to enjoy in Jesus' name. Father, I pray in the next few moments as we unpack this concept that you've built into the very creation, that we would understand that if we would but step into your patterns of life, life works much better. So aid us in this process, I pray. Speak, I ask, in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, amen, amen. So that word, that word, the word Sabbath, what comes to your mind when you think of that word Sabbath? Rest? Anybody else? Saturday? Okay, yep. <laughs> you know what I have discovered? That most of us do not have a placeholder in our memory banks for the word Sabbath. The word Sabbath is kind of one of those very archaic Old Testament words that for the most part haven't really kind of made it into the life of, of the modern day church. In, 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 in asking other people, my own family as a matter of fact, I've discovered that in my own family we have this problem. Uh, I asked my daughter, Mariah, Mariah, what do you think of when you hear the word Sabbath? And she said, Dad, it sounds like a King James word. Which is a way of saying it sounds archaic. I'm not really sure what to think of that. Um, I asked my wife, uh, Bambi, Bambi, what comes to your mind when you think of Sabbath? And she goes, she said that when she grew up in the family she grew up in, Sabbath basically meant that she wasn't allowed to do any of the fun things she wanted to do that she could do all the rest of the week. So she kind of had a, a negative placeholder in her mind as to what Sabbath means. Now, for me, I never attended church uh, growing up. So Sabbath meant to me this thing called blue laws. Are you familiar with what blue laws are? Years ago, they used to mandate that you couldn't do certain activities on Sunday or at least part of Sunday. And in Maine, where I grew up, they had blue laws that mandated that you could not sell beer or alcohol before noon on Sunday. I'm not really sure what the whole point of that was. I mean, you could buy it Saturday night. I mean, what are they thinking, you know? So I would sit at the local handy store with my father uh, early Sunday morning, and we would wait for noon. And when noon finally came, we'd go in and buy Dad's beer, and then we'd go home. So in my mind, these, these this is ridiculous. And we can't live our lives because of these blue laws. So I have discovered over the course of time that most of us don't have a placeholder for it. Uh, a number of us have kind of negative connotations of this idea of Sabbath. And that's really sad. 
It's really sad because Sabbath is such a powerful biblical principle that if we could but understand it and embrace it, we would discover that there's a quality of life to be lived that maybe we haven't discovered to this point. The word Sabbath, and somebody mentioned it, the word Sabbath literally means the word rest. How many think rest is a bad idea? How many would like to have more rest in your life? Oh, yeah, 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 I think most of us would. So the word Sabbath is a beautiful word. It's a wonderful word. It simply is the word rest. Now, it comes from the root word, which means to cease from something. And under the Mosaic law, God's Old Testament people were to cease from their normal occupations, and they were to do no common work on this particular day. It was a mandatory stoppage of normal affairs of life in order to rest and reflect on what life is really about. That's a powerful thing. That's a good thing. That's a wonderful thing. And the Bible says this. God knows us so well. The Bible says this in Psalm 103 and verse 14. For he, God, understands how weak we are. Amen? Oh my goodness, we're frail. He knows that we are only dust. We were made from the dust of the ground and to dust we shall return. And in the meanwhile, we are this quivering mass of dust. We're anxious. We're upset. We're easily, easily set off. And so we are by nature frail creatures. God knows that. He knows that. And in knowing that, he gave us this thing called Sabbath, this wonderful rest. Now, that's not the only thing God gave us. Let me actually give you the two great gifts God has given us to rest. God knowing our frame, that we are but dust, that we are, we are frail. God gives us two ways in which we can find rest in our very hurried uh, busy, crazy world. Number one, God has given us this gift called sleep. Sleep. Notice what it says, Psalm 120, uh, 127 and verse 2. In vain. <laughs> you rise up early and you stay up late. So, write this verse down on the front of our iPhone or our computer or our iPad. In vain. You rise up early and you stay up late, toiling for food to eat. The idea is you're, you're going after the necessities of life. Now, most of us go after more than just what we need, more what we want. For he grants to those that he, I'm going to gift you with sleep. Ooh, thank you. Some of us need that gift, don't we? Some of us need to say, Lord, I'm going to claim this verse, and I love you, and you love me, and give me sleep. I just need to be able to shut down. You know, um, in a lot of ways, uh, the human brain is similar to a computer in a lot of ways. Uh, on a computer, there are two kinds of memory. There is hard drive memory, and then there is random access memory or RAM. So when you buy a computer, I got eight gigs of RAM, and it comes with a one terabyte hard drive. Awesome! That's an awesome machine. What it's basically saying is this. I have a hard drive that I can store a whole lot of information on that is permanent, information that I can get back anytime I want it. And then there's all kinds of additional RAM, random access memory, where I can run all these various programs at the same time. But when you reboot your computer, the RAM goes away. It cleanses it. It, it deals with all that stuff, and it brings it back fresh. Well, so too, the human brain actually has two kinds of memory. It has long-term memory called chemical memory, 
and it has short-term memory called electrical memory. Now, chemical memory, long-term memory, is when we're moving our way through our day and we engage something, and usually it's connected to some kind of an emotional reaction. When there's an emotional reaction with some kind of event in life, what happens is that is immediately branded into our brains by chemicals that lock it in for a long term. But much of what we do throughout the day, all the stimulus that comes in through the eyes and the ears and the, the, the feeling and then the smells, all of this saturation of stuff that comes at us is held in what's called electrical memory, short-term memory. So when you get to the end of the day, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm tired. My brain is like bulging. It hurts. I'm so overwrought. Well, go to sleep. Go to sleep, because what sleep does is sleep basically erases the electrical short-term memory, and so in the morning you feel better. So the old saying is, sleep on it, is a great idea, because you will always feel better about it in the morning because all the input throughout the day is scrubbed away, and you can focus better. So our brains are made like that, and so God has given us this thing called Sleep. Sleep is a way of erasing the short-term memories, and it's a way that we get margin. It's a way that we get a little bit more bandwidth or, or white space in our life so that we can cope with life. So if you're having a lot of trouble coping, if you're really struggling with a lot of things, I just want to say, sleep. Try to get some more sleep. If you abuse your sleep, you'll pay for it. It's a gift given to us by God to help us cope with life. So sleep is one of those great gifts that God gives us. The other great gift God gives us indeed is this idea of Sabbath. Mark chapter 2, verse 27, uh, Jesus said this, The Sabbath was made for man and not, what's it say? What he is saying is this. God didn't create Sabbath and then force man to have to do it, but rather God knowing our frailties, God understanding our limitations, has actually planned the week in such a way that we would isolate a particular day to rest. Sleep is your daily ability to reboot the hard drive of your mind. Worship, Sabbath. Sunday is your weekly way of rebooting your soul. This is how God made us. This was God's design. We're going to talk more about that in just a minute. But let me show you a wonderfully put together little video on the concept of Sabbath. I thought this was good. Maybe you'll find it uh, good as well. Here we go. In three, two, one. All right, so here we go. According to Genesis, the Lord created everything in six days, and then on the seventh day he rested. That is, he stopped. Doesn't mean he took a nap. Means he rested from the work he'd done on the previous six days. So he blessed that day, and he set it apart way back when everything was still perfect, right? Right. One day out of seven. Later, I don't know, around 2,500 years or so, way after Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit and sin was everywhere, Moses pops up on the scene, hikes up Mount Sinai, and receives ten commandments from the Lord himself, written by his very finger. You saw the movie. For all you readers out there, take a peek at Exodus 20. Here begins the law, God's commandments. His design, not ours. For our benefit, not his. Now, out of all the Ten Commandments, we stop today on the fourth. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. 
And in case we might not connect it on our own, God uses the same language in the first book of the Bible that he does here in the second to connect it for us. And I paraphrase. In six days, not five, not a million years, not an eon, in six days God did a bunch of work making everything that we see and don't see, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore he blessed it and made it holy. He set it apart. One day out of seven. So we got ten commandments. We got eight don'ts and two do's. But inside one of the do's is a don't, this fourth commandment. The do is to remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. And the way to keep it holy is the don't. Don't work. Or more accurate to its intent, put aside the normal work you do on the previous six days. Make this day different. One day out of seven. Okay, so let's leap forward about 1,500 years or so to Mark chapter 2. And you'll see that Jesus says, quite frankly, man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for the man. <laughs> Sabbath was made for the man. Huh. God blessed this day and he set it apart. Why? For what? Well, perhaps it's a date. Maybe God is saying he just wants to spend time with us. Yeah, he created us to do all kinds of things and have friends and family and live our lives, but maybe he's saying he'd like to spend time with us too. Now, he knows we're busy. That's why he gave us seven days. Six days to do all the things that we have to do. And one day to spend with him. One day out of seven. Perhaps it's a date, and God arranged things in this manner. You know, it's interesting, when you look at the three major monotheistic religions that trace their, their uh, beginnings back to Abraham, each of these major religions has chosen their date. One day out of seven that they worship God. And of course, the Jews coming along first through the law of Moses their date is what day? Very good, very good. They have Saturdays. Saturdays is the day, the day of Sabbath for the Jewish nation, following the law of Moses. And so indeed, Exodus 20 and verse 8 says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The word holy means unique, separate from all the rest of your week. This is a special day. And so the Jews have this very special day that God gave to them to focus on him. Uh, and I love what the rabbi said. He said this about the Sabbath in Israel. He said, Israel does not keep the Sabbath. Rather, the Sabbath has kept Israel. This importance of biblical community, this focused time of coming together as the people of God has held the nation of Israel together over the millennia. It's a very important time for them. Well, along comes Jesus, Messiah, the promised one of God. Israel rejects him. So they continue to embrace Saturday as the Sabbath, waiting for God's Messiah to come. But we, the church, Christians know that, that Jesus is the answer. He died, rose again for our sins. He died on a, very good, was buried and he rose again the first day of the week. So Christians have embraced Sunday, the first day of the week, as our date with God, our special time to get alone with the Lord. Matthew 28 and verse 1 says this, Now after the Sabbath, Saturday, toward the dawning of the first day of the week, Sunday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. So Christians 
took this concept of Sabbath, most of them were Jewish. And so they basically moved from Saturday to Sunday, and it was a day to cease from your normal labor and to rest and to reflect and to worship God. Now, I do want to make this clear distinction. Sunday is not commanded under the law. Saturday was. Saturday is for the Jews. Sunday is for Christians, and it's not mandated under the law. So in a very real way, uh, we can't really call Sunday Sabbath. A lot of folks over the years refer to Christian Sabbath as Sunday. It's not quite the same because it's not under the law, but the principles and the promises of Sabbath rest are still available to us today. As believers, we embrace Sunday as this special date with God. Now, there is one other monotheistic religion that traces its lineage back to Abraham, and that is Islam. And so Islam uh, couldn't take Saturday, because that one was already taken, and they couldn't take Sunday, because that one was already taken, and they came along about 700 years after Christianity was established, so their options were limited to five other days. And so they chose Fridays. Fridays is the day of Islam. Now, this is very pragmatic. You see, there is nothing in the Quran that commands that Friday is to be the day of primary worship for uh, followers of Muhammad. Uh, but rather, the Jews, this is an ancient statement, the Jews have every seventh day a day. They're lucky when they get together for prayer. And so do the Christians. Therefore, let us do the same. And they're like, well, they got a day of worship. The Jews on Saturday, and Christians got a day of worship. How come we don't have a day of worship? And so, because a lot of these people were nomadic, they would come in and sell and buy in the marketplace. Because the Jews were primarily merchants and Christians as well, the marketplace was closed on Saturdays and Sundays. So if they were there on Friday to buy and sell and trade, they figured, hey, almost everybody's in town. Why don't we make Friday noon prayers our primary time? Ha, huh, brilliant. Hence, Islam worships on Friday at noon, and it comes from a very pragmatic way because the other days were basically taken, and they couldn't trade wares in the marketplace on those days. So, Sabbath, Sabbath, rest, Sabbath, rest. So in God's wisdom, he has given us both the gift of sleep and the gift of Sabbath to help his frail creatures learn to cope with the stresses of life. Daily sleep restores our minds and emotions. Weekly Sabbath restores our bodies and our souls. They're both good gifts from God. But they're very different in this. Sleep always wins. Sabbath can only woo. Let me say that again. Sleep always wins. You can abuse your sleeping patterns. You can drink lots of caffeine. You can stay up around the clock. But eventually, sleep will win. You will collapse under the weight of it all, and you will just give in to sleep. But Sabbath doesn't work that way. Sabbath can't make you Sabbath. <laughs> All it can do is woo you. It can give you the benefits and the good things connected to it. 
And hopefully in wooing you, you will understand that God created his universe in a certain pattern. And if we obey or walk in, in concert with that pattern, we will realize a quality of life. If we abuse that pattern, we will notice that that quality of life is missing. God made life like this. So what I want to do in the next few minutes is I want to give you two reasons that I think you should be wooed by Sabbath, Sabbath rest. So I'm just going to punch through this, and I want to get to this. Reason number one why I think it's wise to step into the patterns God has established is rest for our bodies. Rest for our bodies. Now this comes from Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Notice what it says here. Moses, giving the commands from God, said this, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Unique, different than the other days. Six days, you can do all your labor. You know, work really hard. Do all your work. But on that seventh day, this is a Sabbath, a day of rest to the Lord your God. And on it, you shall not do any work. And then here's the pattern God set in creation. For in six days, the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. And he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. From this, what I want you to notice is just two quick things. Number one, work is good. Work is good. Say that with me. Work is good. I don't think all of you believe that. One more time. Work is good. Yeah. You see, even before the fall of sin in the garden, God created Adam and Eve, and he put them as caretakers over the Garden of Eden. They actually had uh, caretaking responsibilities over God's creation. So work actually came about before the fall into sin. So work is good. One more time. Work is good. Some of you need to say that to yourselves tomorrow morning. But what I also want you to notice is this. Rest is good. We like that one better. Say it with me. Rest is good. We all like that one really well. But what I want you to get from what, G, what is being said here is that both work and rest are good. They're part of the way God has designed his creation. Work like a dog. Work really hard all week long. You've got six days to knock it out. Go for it, go for it, go for it, go for it. Don't forget to sleep. But on that seventh day, yeah, no. No, 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 no. You've got six other days in which to do all your work. You need to rest. You need to stop. You need to cease from the normal activities of life, and you need to find a rest for your body. The challenge here is we don't know how. We cannot shut ourselves off. We live in an overly stimulated electronic day and age where we are constantly taking in the impulses all the time. And when we actually have a few minutes, we hardly know what to do with ourselves, right? You know, some of us are just like, anxious? I should be doing something. I should be doing something. Why? Because I'm always doing something. Yeah, you need to learn to stop that. <laughs> the point is, work hard for six days and plan to do resting on this special day that God has 
planned. We're not real good at this resting thing. We are too, and the malady of our age is, we are too busy. Busy. Do you ever notice how the word busyness is very much like the word business? <laughs> I wonder if there's a, com- a commonality there. Hmm. Busy is the antithesis and the enemy of rest. It really is. Busy means to be actively or fully engaged or occupied. And we're good. Most of us are very good at that. But what we're not very good at is resting, learning to let go, learning to to give in. Somebody put it this way. We need to know how to come apart before we come apart. Or we need to learn to let down before we break down. And most of us aren't very good at this thing called rest. I want you to think of it in a couple of different ways. First of all, think of of this idea of activity, strong activity, and then rest. Work six days really hard, and then on the seventh, rest. What I want you to do is I want you to think about your heart. Take your hand and place it just about there on your hand, on your arm, and most of you should feel something pulsing. Uh, If you don't, immediately raise your hand and we'll go get our kit and help you out. But what you feel there is both the contraction or the work of the heart as well as the rest of the heart. The heart works to pump, rests. Works, rests. Works, rests. That's life. That's life. It's literal life. If the heart merely worked, what's going to happen? Down you go. (laughs) Yeah, if your heart muscle just constricted, you'd be in big trouble. It must rest in order for life to have rhythm. And so too, God has designed our lives to require work. We must work. However, you must rest or else you will burn out. I think the Chinese have, have got it. You know, many years ago, China used this thing called pictograms. They would draw little images to clarify a word. And so in Chinese, this is the word busy. Busy. It's two little images. And the two little images they put together to make up the one word busy are these two images. Yeah. Yeah. You can work really hard, and you'll kill yourself in the process. It's not how much you can do. It's learning to find a rhythm of life. And God has chosen to give us six days Do your work and work hard and do it well. And one day to rest. One day to let down. One day to ease out. The problem that most of us wrestle with, the problem that many of us really struggle with, is this idea. Somebody put it this way. We suffer greatly from the illusion of control feeding our egos and starving our souls. You see, most of us work really hard, but the part that God's calling us to is something called trust. Do you believe that God is God? 
Do you believe that he has the best intentions for your life? Do you believe his patterns are best? But how can I be sure that I can't make enough money or I can't get enough things in? You know, how can I really depend on him? Well, let me give you an illustration. It's one that you know really, really well. And I think it does a great job of talking about how dependable God is when we trust him, even in the rhythm of life. Here we go. This is the illustration, and it revolves around this place. Chick-fil-A. How many like Chick-fil-A? Awesome. How many wish they were open on Sundays? Come on, admit it. You've driven through there and you realize, oh, stay at Sunday. I thought they seemed rather not busy. Chick-fil-A restaurants in the United States of America are per store the largest grossing fast food restaurants in the nation. They make on average per store $3.2 million a year. How many days a week are they open? Okay, remember that. The second largest grossing uh, fast food chain in America per store is something called McDonald's. Ever heard of them? McDonald's makes $2.6 million per store a year. How many days are they open? Often round the clock. Oh, aha. Uh-huh. So you mean to tell me that a fast food chain that happens to be dedicated to something called the Lord's Day. Notice this. The closed on Sunday's rule is a policy rooted in Truett Cathy's commitment. What? So he chooses not to be open on Sunday, rather to honor the Lord. And in honoring the Lord, the Lord gives the average Chick-fil-A store 19% more than a restaurant that's open seven days a week. Huh. You see, it's a lesson for us to learn. All of our efforts and efficiencies in production is not dependent on us. Some of us need to take our hands off the steering wheel of the universe and realize we're not driving. We need to say, God, you know what is best. I am going to work very hard for the six days, but I'm going to trust you on this day to be the one who will meet my needs, even though I sacrifice this day for you. You know, I discovered this uh, little truth when I was going through seminary. You know, seminary is a place where you would think everybody's going to figure it out. No, we're, we're really not there. But I discovered this. Uh, we have exams on Mondays. And uh, I was always committed to connecting with a local fellowship. Uh, we went to New Carrollton Bible Church the whole time I was in sem- seminary up there in Lanham, Maryland. And I discovered that many of uh, my fellow students didn't go to church. They hung out in the dorms and they were studying for Mondays. And I'm like, dude, how could you think that you're going to go into ministry and honor God if you can't honor God on Sundays now? And they were like, well, I got an exam coming up. Well, I do too. I'm in your class. But I'm going to take the time to focus on God and honor him. And I just want you to know, I graduated with 3.69 grade point average, and it's not because I'm smart. The truth of the matter is, I just learned to trust God. I worked hard six days, but on that seventh day, no matter what was going on or what was hanging out on Monday, we always dedicated ourselves to honoring God, and God has always honored us. All that to say that God knows best, amen? And he says, you are a frail creature. You are but dust, and I know that. 
And one of the great gifts I give you is sleep. Don't abuse it. And the other great gift I give you is called Sabbath. It is one day out of seven where you cease from your normal labors and you focus in on me. If you will develop that rhythm with your life, you will discover that your health will be better. Your frame of mind will be better. Who knows? Your sex life may be better. All those things we just talked about. It is a quality of life issue. So that is one. Let me give you the second one, and then we will be done. So Sabbath, rest. Rest for our bodies. But when Moses retold the nation of Israel, the law of God in Deuteronomy, Exodus, he gave it the first time. In Deuteronomy, he gave it at the end of his life to a new group of people going into the promised land. He talked about the Sabbath is actually for the refreshment of our souls and not just rest for our bodies. Notice what he said, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 through 15. He said, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, unique, separate from every other day. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt and that God, the Lord your God, brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, in light of the fact that God has redeemed you, the Lord your God has commanded you now to observe the Sabbath day. This is important, very important. In Exodus 20, I'm called to imitate God who worked six days and rested on the seventh if I want to understand this rest for my body. But in Deuteronomy 5, I'm called to honor God who redeems my soul by finding refreshment for my soul. So the first time he used the pattern of God, now he's using being rescued from bondage. Notice what, what uh, um, Moses remembered was the command of God given to him. In Exodus chapter 8 and verse 1, as Moses was about to confront Pharaoh, it says, And then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord says, Let my people go. Set them free. Why? There's the key. When God redeems us, when he rescues us, when he sets us free from our sin, when he gives us liberty, the goal isn't that we would just now take all this freedom and use it for our own ends. God rescues people from slavery so that we'll worship him. And this is true of this special day, this special day called Sabbath, this special day called Sunday, a unique day set apart by God for us to be able to focus in on him. The point in setting slaves free is to not create a free people, but to create worshipers. And that's what God has done for us through the person of Jesus Christ. So, the enemy of Sabbath rest for our bodies is busyness. Busyness. It is the malady of our age and our culture. I'm busy, 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 busy. By the word, somebody has said the word busy can be defined like this. Being under Satan's yoke. Ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Who's the God of this age? Yeah. And he is keeping people very busy. Very busy. So the enemy of Sabbath rest for our bodies is busyness. But the enemy of Sabbath refreshment for our souls is leisure. Leisure. Leisure is Sabbath bereft of the sacred. 
And so when you talk to our world, what is the weekend for? Working for the weekend. Can't wait to get there. I do all my work just to get to the weekend. And so Sunday in our culture has become the day where I do what I want. I can do anything I want. In fact, I'm going to hang out and I'm going to sleep in really late. Uh, this was Courtney's alarm. <laughs> Before we asked her to lead us in worship here. And this was hit often. Uh, maybe we're going to hang out, you know, do some golf with my buds. That's awesome. Golf's such a great sport. I'm going to worship Jesus on the links. Yeah, I've heard that before. <clears throat> Sorry. And uh, maybe it's a great time for the kids to, you know, do their soccer games. Sunday has become a day for that sort of thing. Or I'm just going to go out and hang out at the seaside. I'm going to worship God in creation. That all sounds very noble, but it never happens. Sundays end up becoming often a day for everything other than God. And when Sabbath is bereft of the sacred, it's called leisure. And of course, the biggie, the one that is really muscling in hard on God's territory is something called the NFL. Ever heard of them? I watched the movie Concussion. Uh, back when it was in the theaters, well done, very well done. There is a little scene in the movie Concussion that's very powerful. Let me share it with you. What do they want? The NFL. I want you to say you made it all up. I made it up. They're accusing you of fraud. If you retract, you'll be fine. This all goes away. Why, why, why are they doing this? They're terrified of you. Bennett Amalu is going to war with a corporation that has 20 million people on a weekly basis craving their product. The same way they crave food. The NFL owns a day of the week. The same day the church used to own. Now it's theirs. They're very big. You can't disagree with that. The reality is the NFL has filled in a lot of people's lives on a Sunday where they used to keep some room for God. But now, I mean, the NFL network comes on at 8 o'clock and they keep you ready for the games, ready for the games, ready for the games for like four hours. And then finally the game happens and they keep you on forever after. I'm not saying that watching football is bad. How many Redskins fans are in the house? Okay, it's bad for you. I just want you to know that. <laughs> I happen to be a New England Patriot fan who had a pretty good game on Thursday night, but we won't go there. I know. All I want to say is this. The culture has encroached and encroached and encroached to the point now that the culture considers Sunday to be the weekend, where I do everything I want to do and get it done because tomorrow I go back to work, back to slavery. That's not what Sunday's for. In the mind and heart of God, he isolated one special day a week. One day that is actually the first day of the week. And if you start your week well, all the rest of your week will go better. If you start the week poorly, just living for leisure, the rest of your week will go poorly.
It is simply what it is because we've stepped outside of God's rhythm for life and we've now gone against that rhythm. There's a famous missionary, a, um, a uh, missionary to Africa who came from Germany. Uh, his name is Albert Schweitzer. He said this, Do not let Sunday be taken from you. If your soul has no Sunday, it becomes an orphan. You will be lost and alone, and you will feel disconnected. I don't know about you, but I've, I've only missed a handful of Sundays since I've come to know Jesus, but every one that I've missed, I've always felt like I missed. There's something lacking. And I just want to encourage you, as we go down this pathway together, sleep wins. It always wins. But the best Sabbath can do is beckon you. It woos you. In fact, Jesus woos you. Come to me, Jesus said. All of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Sabbath. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Remember, busy, being under Satan's yoke. Jesus' yoke, it is easy and light. Why? For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Trust me. Trust me. And life works so much better. I want to encourage you to take some of these thoughts into your small group. What if I work on Sundays? How do I deal with that? You know, I'm on a rotational schedule and I find myself working Sundays. How do I cope with that? How do I deal with this? How do I deal with that? Take it to your small group leader. Ask them those questions. And this week, I will hear from some of those small group leaders. Thanks, Pastor Bill. So, um, nevertheless... Um, we are going to pick up next week by talking more about the rhythm of life. Good Sundays will make for better Mondays. I'm going to close us in a word of prayer. The band's going to come up, and they're going to uh, close us uh, or actually have us walk out on their song. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for knowing our frail condition. And thank you for knowing in advance and providing for us the very things we need to cope with the anxieties of life. Sleep, Father, is such a precious thing. And I just pray for those who struggle with sleep, that you would give them the gift that you give to those that you love, which is sleep, deep, restorative sleep. But thank you, Father, also for this thing called Sabbath, rest. Rest for our bodies and refreshment for our souls. Thank you, Father, for your goodness to us. I pray, Father, that you will help us to grapple with these things in our very busy lives when we look forward to what little bit of leisure we can squeeze in. And somehow this seems to be so much more. But I pray that we will understand that you do what's best for us. Thank you now, in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, amen. God bless you. Have an awesome week.